Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, time is fast spent, so I'm going to be as fast as possible. I have three simple objectives today. The first is very obvious one. To thank God for nine years of supernatural bliss. The word taught, souls won, disciples raised. Any other person grateful in this house today? The second is to use our corporate testimony to stir up personal testimonies. You see, I've told you this time and time again, how that every blessing in God is replicable. You have to understand this is a supernatural system that when God wants to create humanity, he only needs to create one man and name the man Adam. I told you actually Adam was not a name. Adam was who he was. Adam means humanity. So he was never named. The first man was never named. He was called humanity. Genesis chapter 5 verse 2 says, and he called their name Adam. Talking about humanity. That's our name. And that's why when he fell, it affected everyone. When God wanted to create billions of trees, he only needed to plant a garden. And every tree, he says, will produce after its kind. So you have to understand, such is the blessing of God, even in the kingdom, even in ministry. And if we understand this, it will eradicate the need for competition. Because if you see God do something for your neighbor, it's proof that he's in the neighborhood. And it's just that simple. And if you see Jesus walking on water, it's an invitation for you to do the same. Every miracle is replicable. For you as a member, what you see God do with your local assembly is proof that something great can happen in your own life. You know, in that assignment that God has given to you, if God led us nine years ago and we obeyed, you can obey God today. It's a powerful, simple message. You can obey God. You see, sometimes I think that some of the ministers who send me messages have done some private meeting. The reason is most of them say the exact same thing, especially the younger ones coming after me. They say, when we see you, we know it is possible. And I think that's a very striking statement. That what God does in one person stares in others possibility in the miraculous. It's, it's so powerful. It's so replicable. It's possible. And that's what this ministry represents. You see, Paul understood this. In fact, Paul believed that the reason he was a success wasn't because he was better than everyone else. He believed it was the opposite. He called himself the worst of all men. You know, I mean... Um, he called himself chief of sinners because he persecuted the church. And so he says, if God could manifest his grace in me, chief of sinners, it is proof to all men. Who else can God not use? That's what he was trying to say. That in him first, the grace of God will be manifest. So when you see someone like me, you need to trace my history and know that um, I wasn't particularly an extraordinary child. What you see is the grace of God. And as you would discover, as, as I'm going to mention in this sermon, I worked very hard to, but it's, 
primarily grace. And that says something to you. Whatever it is God has asked you to do, it doesn't matter how impossible you think it is. It matters more who sent you. He specializes in doing things that are impossible. And that's a profound sermon. I know that I preached a good sermon today. If after you're, you are done, you dust that folder where you kept that vision years ago, you dust it up and say, the word of the Lord must be fulfilled in my life. That's an objective. For all of us to be doers and not hearers alone. Say loud, amen. amen. And then the third is to cast a vision for our ministry for the coming years. To start this, I want to start with a very important verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. Please open as fast as you can. I want to move with the speed of light. Paul is speaking here. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, popular text. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Listen, if I preached the whole sermon on that phrase alone, we would have learned something powerful today. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, not many people have this perspective. Some people say this just for religiosity's sake. Oh, you're doing great. Oh, it's the grace of God. You know, it's just, it's just an automated response. They don't really believe it. They don't really mean it. But if this is a conviction that you have, what a life you would have. I am what I am by the grace of God. I didn't get here by my intelligence, by my personal exertion. There is something called the election of grace. If we understand this again, there will be less competition and more appreciation for what God is doing in the lives of others. Let me tell you this. Of the many reasons you think Celebration Church is doing what we're doing and we are where we are. There's a call. God gave us that call. And we, you have to understand, when God asked us, for instance, to start our second branch, our Abuja branch, I cried. So it wasn't youthful exuberance that pushed me. It wasn't ambition. All right? I cried. We cried together when, when we were doing the same for Who was there? Who was there? Many of you are newbies. Who was there years ago? All right, that watch night service, when we sang yes to your will, yes to your way, you remember? So it wasn't ambition. It was the leading of the Lord. We had supernatural encounters. God told us categorically, by your fifth anniversary, I'm going to move you to another city to start a new work. But by the fifth year, you know the story, I got carried away because the church was growing and all of that. We got a bigger space. And then exactly two weeks after our fifth anniversary, a strange man of God said he wanted to see me. So in, in my mind, I was like, first and foremost, how did you get my number, how, you know, and all of this. But then I granted him audience. He came to the office, and he just dropped a lapel pin on my desk. He said, I was shopping um, weeks ago, and the Lord said, I should buy this for you. And I kept asking the Lord, why? It's not an expensive gift. Why this lapel pin? And the Lord said, when I give you, you will understand. And on the lapel pin was inscribed with the number five. Immediately I saw it. Two weeks after our fifth anniversary, this is someone who didn't even know anything about our ministry. He didn't even know our ministry was five. I saw it, I just knew what it meant. And then, well, more miracles happened after that and all of that. But all that we see started by the election of grace. Let me tell you this. 
God said, and Paul quoted this in Romans chapter 9. He said, it is not of he that wills. Have you read that before? It is not of he that wills, nor of he that runs, but of God who does what? In fact, this is how we started. He said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And compassion on whom I will have compassion. Do you know what that means? It means there are some people that God is blessing simply because he's in their specific will for their life. They're in their specific will for their life. And there is nothing anybody can do by personal exertion to have that level of output. There is something called the election of grace. As important as hard work is, it is more important to find God's call and stay there. This is so important. Let me tell you this. When it comes to doing great in life, in any field at all, we're going to talk about hard work, but this is the first thing. What will God have me do? Like you often hear me say, it is not about getting God to bless what you're doing. It's about doing what God is blessing. That way, it becomes effortless. It becomes effortless. Because he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, compassion on whom I will have compassion. He says, therefore, it is not of he that wills, nor of he that runs, but of God who shows mercy. So when you look at Celebration Church, yeah, we are running. Yeah, we're willing. But there is another factor, the mercy of God. Say loud amen if you believe it's true. So when it comes to John the Baptist, who, by the way, started ministry before Jesus and had been baptizing, but then some people came to him and said, the person you baptized, his disciples are baptizing. Aren't you going to stop him? Ah, you know what John the Baptist said? He said, a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. What a statement, what a perspective. He's trying to explain there is a supernatural reason behind the success of Jesus. It's not PR. It's not marketing. A man can receive nothing except it be given to him from above. Just imagine if John the Baptist instead chose to compete. How do you compete with someone who was born of a virgin? How do you imitate? How do you start? <laughs> you, you, you want to compete with incarnation. How do you begin? Thank God he was wise. So, this is where election comes in. He says, I am the voice of one, of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. So, in the body of Christ, some of us have to be content with being a voice. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if what you are doing is paving the way for others, it's okay. It's an assignment. And guess what? You will be a success in what God has asked you to do. And be content in that. So guess what? If our ministry was half the size, I won't consider myself a failure. Because true success is doing what God has asked you to do. That's what it is. So thank God for everyone who thinks, oh, we are doing great. But listen, if the Abuja church had an attendance of 50, I will still be glad that God said, go, and I went. That's the most important thing for me. So at the end of the day, 
He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Listen, if you can come to a point in your life where you can say this and not be lying, you didn't lobby your way, you didn't cut corners, everything in your life screams grace. What a life you would have. Because you will see many people taking shortcuts, but you refuse. And you can come to a point in your life where you can truly say, I am what I am by the grace of God. What a life you would have. Now, that's an important first part. There's a second part to this that we really need to emphasize. Take me back to 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Yes, he begins by saying, I am what I am by the grace of God. There is another extreme. You know, a lot of church people just stick to this first part. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. And you're sitting on your couch, generating unnecessary heat on that surface, while the call of God lies dormant by the grace of God. He said, but the grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Listen, listen, listen. The only grace that cannot be in vain is salvific grace or saving grace. But when it comes to charismatic grace, the grace to do the assignment that God has given to you to do, it can be wasted. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the reason he said this is because the grace can be in vain. The grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored. Meaning you can be engraced and it will be for nothing. You can be engraced and it will waste. So it doesn't really matter the multitudes of the visions that you've seen. Maybe you were sleeping on your bed from your pillow, your eyes opened, you saw a ladder from your pillow straight to heaven and angels ascending and descending. Or maybe when your mom was carrying your pregnancy, men of God kept telling her, you are carrying a man of God, you are carrying a man of God. All of that is great. But you're going to use that grace. You're going to have to do something about it. Otherwise, it won't count. Just because you have a great destiny doesn't mean you will turn out great. You have to do something. He said, the grace that was bestowed on me was not in vain. He says, but I labored more abundantly. Let me tell you this. If you look at Celebration Church and all you see is grace, you have not seen well. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, there is great grace. Without the grace, nothing else we do counts. But there is great labor. I say that honestly and I lie not. There is great labor. And I want to just use that to stir you up and to challenge you. In that assignment, you're going to have to put in the work. Put in the work. Put in the work. Get serious with it. Invest in it. Get better. Don't expect people to patronize you just because they like you. It's not going to work that way. No sentiments here. Do you have the results? Do you have the answers? The question your generation is asking, do you have the answers? I labored more abundantly than they are. I like the way he ended. He said, yet not I. So you see, when we look at the results we are producing, 
It has to be the balance. Listen, our life has to stand on both legs. Grace and labor. If you don't labor, it, it doesn't matter the calling on your life. You won't fulfill it. You see, someone gave me a very powerful illustration. I was just having this casual conversation with a great man many years ago. We were in his living room. And he said this to me. He said, think of Usain Bolt, who at the time was the fastest man in the world. I think he's still the fastest. I'm not sure. But I'm sure he has records that have not been broken. When he's sitting on a chair, that man has grace and speed that no one else has been recorded to have. Just by him sitting on a chair. But guess what? Nobody will give you a medal on a chair. It doesn't matter the special genetics that God has given you that gives you speed like no one else has demonstrated on the tracks. If you are going to win medals, you're going to get on the tracks. Because guess what? When you're sitting on a chair, you still have the grace. But no one is going to appreciate it until you put it to work. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to have to put it to work. Because literally, it won't show and it won't count if you don't work. The grace, he says, that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. I want to encourage you today. You are a doer of the word of God. From now on, make a decision in your mind. I'm going to put in the work. You know, when God called me, I was in 200 level in the university. And the call was so compelling, I went to the back of my hostel and I cried profusely. I said, God, if this is what I'm going to do in my life, why am I here? <laughs> I'm telling you honestly, what am I doing in school? Why am I wasting time? Let me go. And he said, no. Stay here and prepare. I'm going to talk about preparation before I'm done. You know. And so from that moment on, I began to see myself as a minister in training. I wore my office. I dressed like it. I talked like it. I wore a suit almost every day as a student. Listen, I had an office table in my room. Are you listening to me? <laughs> And I, don't want to, I just don't want to keep telling you some of the things I did so you won't have a mechanical perspective. You see, I read everything readable before I graduated. There was a particular holiday. In a month, I read 30 books. That tells you I didn't do anything else. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a particular day. My dad was, had been looking for me. Ah, you're in this house. Where are you? So, he had been looking for me. So, he opened the door as he just... Stepped foot. He stepped on books because I was on the floor with books <laughs> reading. He shouted. He called my mom a name he only calls when he's angry. <laughs> you know, when you call someone middle name or full name, you know, it's an African thing. <laughs> Just out there. Moreni, can come and see your son? <laughs> Is this why we sent you to school? <laughs> Hallelujah. But guess what? By the time I was done, 
my friend is here. I don't remember if I don't know if you remember when I told you. As a 500 level student, there was a day I told him, or he or someone else, I said, There is no platform in the world that cannot preach. I was young, but I was ready. Are you listening to me? I said, There is no way in the world that we preach, my leg will be buckling. <laughs> and there are platforms I will appreciate, but the, ah, I don't feel what, you know, I rehearsed it. <laughs> I've been rehearsing preaching to kings since year two. So many of the things impromptu, I know what to say. Try it. If the president is your friend, just call him. <laughs> I won't fall your hand, I promise you. <laughs> You'll be amazed. You, you, I bet you, you say, ah, you rehearsed this thing. I say, I rehearsed it. <laughs> It's not now. Hallelujah. I had been planning for a great church since. I trained for it. I didn't just say the grace, you know, all the idiosyncrasies, all the funny speech patterns. You know, some of you, you just have H factor. You say, God will use me like that. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Don't <laughs> correct it. I practiced everything, every single thing. You know, in the spirit of our ninth anniversary, I went to the archives looking for old sermons. And there was one I was watching. Listen, we've always been awarded ministry to the glory of God. But the presentation, I, so I was looking at myself, I said, why do they talk like this? <laughs> I'm like, who, who, who's this guy? <laughs> If you have old sermons, throw them away in Jesus' name. <laughs> They're not that bad, but throw them away still. So I just want to talk to you the few minutes that I have left on bravery. Listen, listen, listen. I know that motivational speakers try to talk about this, but this is a spiritual component. In fact, there is a way in which the Spirit of God stirs up boldness in us. Boldness. Boldness. Haven't you read Acts chapter 4 that they prayed and the place where they were shook and they were filled with the Spirit and with boldness. The Spirit and boldness go hand in hand. I wish I had enough time to talk about this. Fear is a symptom of sin. When man fell, no one had to advise him. There was no instruction manual. He just knew to hide. It's instinctive. It's instinctive. It's instinctive. Hallelujah. It's, it's symptomatic of sin. So when you spend time with God, there ought to be a bravery, you know, to your destiny. It should show. They go hand in hand. And you see, I like the fact that the men that worked with God, you see their mentorship process. How God mentored them. God is such a good mentor. I'm telling you this. All of them, right from Adam, you create a man and you give him dominion and then you create animals and you bring them to Adam to see what he will call them. What trust, what responsibility. And every name that Adam gave the animals, that was their name thereof. What a God. What a God. So if you have a company, that's something to learn about delegation. Even God did it. How can God allow Adam to name animals when he's there? 
He could have done it. But he's teaching the man something. I, come on, are you listening to me? And then there is another mentorship school that you're about to read in Jeremiah chapter 1. Now, Jeremiah was a young man, just like I was a young man years ago. I still am. So if you're thinking, I'm a young man now, how young was I then? You know. And this is, listen, I just want you to picture the spirit, feel the spirit of this text. It's so powerful and instructive. Some of you, this is going to mirror your current position right now. God speaks to Jeremiah. This is mentorship. From verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. I separated you for this assignment. I ordained you for this before you were born. And how does Jeremiah respond? Verse 6, he says, then said I, ah. He responded like a Nigerian. Ah. Isn't this fascinating? Is it just me? He literally said, ah. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak from a youth. Just imagine your life's assignment involves speaking and you cannot speak. God does have a sense of humor. He tells Moses, a stammerer, you are going to be a prophet. Ah, they mock me. <laughs> you know, but that's just God. Listen, you are dealing with someone who sees no limits. Sees no limitations. See, so you have to program your mind to walk with a God who sees no walls. Who sees no limits. He said, you will be a prophet to the nations. He said, he said I'm young and I cannot speak. In my society, when children start to talk, when adults are, they tell them, shh, keep quiet. God, I'm a young boy. And you know what God says? He says, do not say you are young. Do not say you are a youth. <laughs> He says, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Say aloud, amen. amen. Listen, this is how the Lord mentored me. This is how the Lord mentored everyone that he has ever used. First and foremost, you must align your communication to be consistent with the vision that he has of your life. Stop the self-sabotage. Stop it. Stop saying you cannot do what he has asked you to do. Stop. Some of us, we only see how difficult the challenge is. At least agree with God first. It's even better to say, how shall these things be? And you know what's interesting? This proves to us that you can have a divine assignment and still be afraid. It doesn't mean you're not called if you're afraid. It doesn't mean. Like God is literally speaking to you. You're hearing God's voice and you tell God, ah. I'm a child. So, like you are Zechariah, you are in the most holy place of the Old Testament temple, and then you see an angel. The angel tells you, your wife is going to have a child, who, by the way, you have been praying for. You've been expecting the fruit of the womb saints, praying for it. Now, an angel tells you, you're going to have a child, and you say, how shall these things be? The angel was surprised. He had to introduce himself. He said, I'm Gabriel. How, how can you say, an, an angel is telling you something, say, how will it be? What do you mean? So quickly, he had to shut his mouth so he doesn't jeopardize what God wants to do in his life. 
Some of you, it's as if that's what God needs to do. <laughs> because it's, you, you're going to stop what God wants to do with your mouth. It's almost as if God wanted to put his negative confessions out of the way until everything was done. So when God had fulfilled his own plan, as soon as John the Baptist had been born, after the naming ceremony, as he was named like this, his mouth opened. And he started praising God. <laughs> God doesn't have to do that. Just learn to use your words right. Say the things that are consistent with his plan for your life. Listen, it doesn't cost anything to dream. To dream with God. When God takes you in the night and he says, look at the stars. See if you can count them. That's how many children I will give you. Just believe. Three months ago, I had an encounter. I don't know if I've told you this. I'm saying it now. God told me that I will directly impact billions of people in my lifetime. How it will happen, I don't know, I don't care. But mark it that I said it. Did you hear me? Yes, I wasn't praying for it. It came to me in a night vision, and I received it. I was walking, um, too much detail, walking in a passage, I saw a great man of God, a general, who is still alive today. And he intercepted me, stopped me. And he said, kneel down. And he said, for the billions, billions that God is going to use you to reach, laid hands on me. I fell under the power in the dream, woke up with jolts of electricity, crown of my head to the tip of my toes. It will happen. But listen, you're going to have to be brave. I mean, literally everyone God used had to go through this school. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Be strong and very courageous. Be not dismayed for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Be strong and very courageous. Don't let anyone talk you down. Paul's words to Timothy. Don't let anyone despise you because you are young. Be an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity. These were my meditations right then in school. Don't let anyone despise you. I remember we were in a meeting with the wealthy man, you know, my wife and I, and, you know, so we just tuned in to prayers, my wife tuned in, she said, so he said, what's that? She said, I can't take you people seriously. <laughs> That's what he said. Well, he does now. Ah, the result will force you, you will change your mouth. You know, everybody, everybody now is saying, we always knew, don't lie, oh. We always knew what? You always knew when, which time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen, this applies. Don't forget, I'm not just telling you what has happened to Celebration Church, I'm telling you what to do with the Word of God. This is so important. What to do with the Word of God. Don't let it scare you. Believe, move on the word of God. What does it mean to be brave? It means to show mental strength in the face of danger. That's what it means. Mental strength. It means to have and to show courage. That's what it means. 
Because that dilemma, that dichotomy will always exist. I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Yet you see yourself as a child. So what do you do? You have to renew your mind. Embrace the identity of God for your life. Walk like it. Talk like it. All right? And when God changes your name from Abraham to Abraham, embrace it. So that every time you have to introduce yourself, you remind yourself of the call on your life. God believes in you. How about you just believe in yourself? God is always finicky about his call on people's lives. At the baptism of Jesus, he tore open the sky. The spirit descended like a dove. He screamed for all to hear. This is my beloved son. Hear him. So if God is campaigning for you like this, marketing your vision like this, the least you can do is agree. Allow him walk with you, confirming your words with signs following. Just, just agree. And just take bold steps. Take bold steps. Can I tell you something only few people can say? Everything God has asked me to do, I have done. It is either I have done it, or I'm doing it, or we, have, we are about to start. As in, currently, God likes to walk with people like that. He brags about people like that. I know Abraham. He will command his children. I know. You think God likes to waste his time? Imagine God can give you that vote of confidence. If I tell her, she will do it. I mean, do all. God doesn't mistakenly tell me what he's not sure he wants to do. <laughs> If he tells me, it is done. When God gives me a vision, one of the first things that I will first register the name. Let more details come. I will just register it and keep. That's how to act. That's how to walk with God. Can you just say bravery? bravery. Come on, I said, can you say bravery? bravery. You know, so... Um, the anointing will not take away the fear per se. You have to picture the Son of God in the Garden of Gethsemane. Praying, if there is any other way, let this cup pass over me. You've heard people say, do it afraid. That's very profound. The only way to face fear is to face fear. Let me rephrase that. The only way to end fear is to face fear. You have to face it. You have to face it. So when Jeremiah says, I'm but a child, I like what God told him in the 17th verse, verse 17 of Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, therefore, prepare yourself and arise. I'm done having this argument with you, this conversation. Think about Moses trying to excuse himself. He kept giving excuse upon excuse. How would they believe me? He said, look at that rod in your hand, drop it. It will turn to a serpent. Okay, but I'm a stammerer. Okay. Aaron will be your prophet. Oh, but I made this. It got to a point, the Bible says, God was annoyed. Stop the argument. Arise. Prepare yourself. Listen, this is a prophetic word to some of you. Arise and prepare yourself. Start preparing. Stop complaining and start preparing. Stop complaining and start training. Stop complaining and start building the muscle for the assignment God has. Arise, he said, prepare yourself. 
What are the hindrances to bravery? What are the things that hinder people from being brave? Number one, very simple, the comfort zone. And I'm not going to spend too much time with this. I'll give you a simple example. And the example is the young rich ruler. It is true that good is the enemy of great. Do you know, especially entrepreneurs, when you're younger, you're more audacious. You can try different things. But when you begin to have some level of success, you just discover you are bent on canning all that you have. It just looks like you're not as audacious, as brave as you used to be. And listen, I'm not teaching you to be reckless. But at the same time, if you don't keep the passion that you once had, or that you first had, you're going for a downward spiral. And that's no prophecy of doom. The comfort zone. There's some of you listening to me now. What God will have you do will require that what you're doing currently will die. That's the problem. We would rather it just happen side by side. But you see, if you will follow that vision, you will have to resign. <laughs> That's where the problem is. So now this young entrepreneur comes to Jesus. And he's, he has a very nice question. What can I do to have eternal life? You know? And God says something to him. He says, sell all you have, follow me. And the guy was very sad because he had great possession. I've taught on this time and again, but I always like to clarify just in case there is someone here who doesn't still understand what happened in that context. Your problem with that context is not what God said. It is who you see God to be. Because if you're a young entrepreneur and then you come to Otedola and, and Otedola says, sell all you have, follow me, I will mentor you in business. Will you, will you be sad? Will you be crying? <laughs> I bet you will say, selling it will take time. Leave the shop open. <laughs> Let me just follow you in case you change your mind. If I go and say, you might change your mind. Let me just adopt me. <laughs> so why is it that when it's Jesus who says it, you have a problem? It's because you don't, you don't really see Jesus as you should. God is bigger than all the billionaires in the world put together. And he pays better. Say loud amen if you believe. Yeah. The comfort zone. Number two, the opinion of men. Let me tell you, this is especially important in the African context. The opinion of men. Let me tell you this. Especially in Africa, I don't know why, any young person who is trying to do great, old people just have, <laughs> older people just have some funny response. I don't know why. And, and this thing, this problem is as old as the Bible days. That David is making just a simple inquiry. What will be given to the person who kills Goliath? And his older brothers are angry. They said, have you left a few sheep to come and be, what are you doing here? What, what, what is this useful exuberance? <laughs> I sound like it. <laughs> ah, I remember I tried something, you know, and I came back to... The people I was responsible to at the time. And someone said to me, so you, you think you now have wings? <laughs> I don't want to tell you what I went to do that is wings. Oh. And he looked at me and said, I will cut your wings. <laughs> I said, what is, why so intense? 
Let me tell you this. As a ministry, in retrospect, we have actually always been audacious. So in, the, in my final year as an undergraduate, we printed 10,000 copies of devotionals and gave free. You know that I'm thinking about it, I'm just like, ah, you don't tell where I crazy. Like, <laughs> first and foremost, not many people at that age are thinking of printing that many copies. Then to print it and give it free. But something very interesting happened, not too far from here, somewhere in the Kesha. There was a program going on, you know, and I went with a few people who were sharing the copies. So someone turned, he saw my image at the back, looked at me, knew it was me. So he came. I was just wondering, I thought he wanted to fight me. He and someone, I don't know if you were there, you know, they came to me angrily. I thought he, I thought he was going to throw a punch. I was wondering. Then I looked closely, I saw the devotion on his hand. And he said, you young boy, what are you writing? You, do you have enough experience? And, you know, that was, what he, that, that was his bone of contention. That's why he was angry. These things you are writing, who told you, are you qualified? So when he was charging towards me, I thought, I don't know. I didn't know what I had done. So that was his problem. And I assure you, there will be people like that who just see what you're doing and, and I like, what was the force about? Why all the, you know, I was invited to um, minister somewhere <laughs> and do like a worker's training. And one other pastor called the pastor and said, of all the people, you have this person, you have this person, these older people in the body of Christ. Is this small boy you called to do worker's training? <laughs> I, I was like, wow. It makes the story sweeter. Hallelujah. We refuse to be petty, but... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't say anything. Hallelujah. History will answer people. Praise the name of the Lord. And this is important. Let me tell you something. Stop sacrificing for people who don't even really care about you. The irony is, they will start caring about you when you stop caring if they care or not. Haven't you noticed? When you just focus on God's assignment for your life, then they're going to care more. And then it won't matter. Just focus. Let me tell you something. Even enemies like good things. If you focus on your assignment and you're having results, ah, they will like you. They might not say it outrightly, but they will like you. Just focus. Samalat and Tobias will keep building the wall. And don't, see, and don't even be religious about your pettiness. We started from the top, now we're here. They tried to bury us. You don't have time for all of that, checking their Instagram. Mm -mm. Just focus on your assignments. Let God be your rewarder. And even when in future you're in a position to help, like Joseph, his brothers, don't be petty. See, God blessed you so that you can be a blessing. Just say, ah, don't, don't take it on yourself. God brought me here for such a time as this. What a mindset. Live lights. Live lights. Stop st sounding like a secular artist. Uh, haters will hate. Ah, ah. You don't have time like that. You are a man in Christ. But just focus. Face front. Face front. Are you listening to me? You, you do what? Hallelujah. And then the third thing, 
that hinders people from bravery is the fear of failure. And the only thing I want to say about this is consecration is the cure for that. Our number one motivation for following God is not success. A lot of Christians don't know this. Did you hear what I just said? Our number one motivation is not what? We follow God because he's Lord. The Lordship of Christ. Not success. Ah, the Lordship of Christ. If he says drop your net and follow, drop it. If you failed, at least you failed obeying God. Because real success is doing what God will have you do. That's what real success is. You must come to a point. Listen, oh my God. You must, you must disconnect yourself from the opinions of men. Disconnect yourself. It's very bad if you care too much. What people say. Train yourself. So, trolls on Facebook are still getting to you. Trolls. You still care what people think. Focus on the assignments. Consecration. I'm not doing this to be big. I just want to please God. Let me tell you something. There were two churches. Of course, there were not two churches, but God said something similar to two churches. In one of the churches... Um, in the book of Revelations, he said, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. May you not seem big to people and be small in the eyes of God. Say loud, amen. amen. He said, you have a reputation. Everybody sees you this way, but there's nothing. And to another church, he said, you are naked. You are tattered, you know, he says, but you are rich. True wealth is doing what God will have you do. You're not doing it for carnal rewards. Listen, even though that comes with the package, you just want to please God. That's very important. So finally, as I round off, how do you handle fear? How do you handle fear? You handle fear in two ways. Let me tell you, these two tips I'm about to give you, if you practice it, it will change your life. You handle fear in two ways. Number one, preparation. What did I say, please? And number two, service. What did I say, please? First and foremost, I just want to reiterate, we are doers of the word, right? So, what you are hearing, you will do something with it, won't you? You know, in every service, there will, people who, there will be people who will be squeezing their face like the word is touching them. Mm. They won't do anything. Deep. Maybe you even carry the Bible, hit your head. <laughs> Monday morning, do something. And here is what you can do. You can prepare. Let me tell you this. You think you are scared. It's not so much about your fear. It's about your lack of preparation. Think about it. That exam you think you are scared of, if you knew what they were going to ask you is a recitation of numbers 1 to 10, the fear will disappear. So it's not actually your fear of exams. You are not just as prepared as you ought to be. Yeah. There are some things you will never be scared to answer. Some questions you will never be scared to answer. If I bring you up here to recite A to Z, 
as nervous as you would be to do anything else on this stage, at least you will handle that better. Come on, are you with me? So there is something that preparation does. You see, years ago, my mom, who was in the first service, has three master's degrees in mathematics. So in my first year in the university, because I, st I resumed late, I missed some courses, and I was struggling with maths for the first time in my life. So one day I was struggling on the table, and I was just like trying objective questions. And, she, and I was like, this is so difficult. You know, she just picked it. Ah, number one is B now. Number two is C now. Number three is I just dragged the paper. Give me my paper. <laughs> but that day, I saw the power of mastery. Are you getting what I'm saying? She just put it, okay, what's my excuse? She's my mom. So I have her genes. If she knows it, it's because she has worked at it. Are you getting what I'm saying? Work at it. Prepare. Stop looking for a platform. Prepare. Please, are you listening to me? A lot of, you don't have to message people. You know, I get a lot of DMs. I can't really sing. Mm -mm. Be singing first. We will hear about you. Please, are you listening? <laughs> I, I can really, you know, a lot of people, stop doing that. Then when they come to your page, there's, not, there's nothing. Build credibility in private first. If you don't interpret dream in prison, no one will call you to the palace. Oh. It is when there is a need in the palace, someone will remember that, ah, when I was in prison, there was someone I met. Start, start training in private. Don't go straight and print flyer first. Continue preparing. This is so important. Prepare. There is a scientific discovery that if anyone would invest four hours in any field for 10 years, he'll be amongst the best in the world, no matter how dull he is. This research is so perfect. It doesn't, it do, no matter your IQ, four hours every day. For 10 years, you will be amongst the best in the world. I want to tell you with all sense of humility. That's how we got here. I said, oh, if I stay at it, if I stay at it, my life will change. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So every day, whether people are watching or not, you prepare. <laughs> uh, you know what Paul told Timothy? He says, until your profiting appears to all. You don't have to be announcing, ah, I'm prayerful. <laughs> I'm studioso. Many people who say they are studios, they are lying. You don't have to tell us, just talk. Just talk. I need to be sure. Can you nudge the person by your side gently say, prepare, 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 prepare. Hallelujah. And then the second thing I want to simply talk about is service. Let me tell you something. Almost everybody who is afraid has not served. Because if you were serving, watching over sheep, you will have the opportunity to kill a lion. You will have an opportunity to kill a bear. And Goliath won't scare you as much. That's just what I'm trying to tell you. So anything that overwhelms you right now, is proof that you need to serve in smaller things. Keep serving. That's where you build experience. That's where you build confidence. And guess what? Nobody will allow you to face Goliath without resume. 
If you have not killed a lion and a bear, nobody will allow you to face Goliath. So start where you are. And this is the scary thing. Every opportunity that you don't take advantage of will disqualify you for bigger opportunities in future. Because if you see the lion and you run, if you see the bear and you run, tomorrow, even if there was no reward for killing the lion, are you listening to this? Ah, are you understanding this? No, maybe they didn't even reward him. They didn't pat him on the back. They didn't give him money. It's part of the training. I wish I had enough time to talk about this. When you are growing, take free jobs. Many people don't know this. I see a lot of young people, they call you for something. You are charging one million. And you are wondering, ah, you are now following up. I didn't hear from you again. You won't hear. <laughs> you will not hear again. That's all. Learn to at least build relationships, build credibility. Not money first. Well, I mean, we, we have an impatient generation. Impatient. Build credibility. Serve. The Bible says, he resists the proud, talking about God, and does what? Gives grace to the humble. Listen, I prophesy, this is the least this ministry will ever be. God has already given me the prophetic word for next year. I am itching to tell you. But, but let me tell you one thing for sure. We have just started. We have just started. We have just started. If four years ago we were 230 and now we are 4,000, with what God is telling me, get ready. And guess what? That vision is both corporate and personal. Next year, your life will change. So maybe God made you come and listen to this word to prepare. Listen, some of you, you are going to need to start preparing now. We're going to start preparing now. So we thank God for where we are. And then we press on to the mark of the price of the high calling of God. So listen, we are not comparing with the church next door. We're comparing with the assignment God has given us. The mark of the price of the high calling of God. Not your village. We're not local champions. God has given us something to measure up to. Are you grateful for nine years? All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.